We're about five years old. We cracked 25,000 customers and, and grown pretty fast, 150% or so year over year at this point. A little north of 3 million a month MRR. So, you know, growing fast, doing well, lots of customers, having a good time. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show with me, Dylan Hay. This is a great episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that clip at the beginning. So today we are interviewing Frank Barry from a company called Tithely. Now, Tithely are actually a SaaS platform built specifically for churches. They are a church giving platform. And on today's episode, he shared with us all of the things that they've done to grow the business to over $3 million in MRR that aren't necessarily scalable. And that includes some crazy stuff like calling every single person who signs up for the platform. And just to put that into perspective, during the peak of COVID, there were between six and 900 people signing up every single day. So this was a really insightful and interesting interview. We learned some great stuff from Frank and I know that you're all gonna love it. Um, Before we press play, before we get started, I am super excited because this week we have two amazing sponsors. So I really encourage you not to skip ahead just yet as both of these companies could be extremely useful for pretty much all of you SaaS marketers that are listening to this today. So the first sponsor will be well known to any of you who have listened to the show before, and that is Restream. So Restream allows you to broadcast live engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks at the very same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM, and Microsoft. I love using Restream. I use it most days to power all of my live streams and they have a great free plan that you can use to test it out. If you sign up using our special link, you'll also receive a $10 credit on your account. So that link is restree.com am forward slash dylan once again that's restree.am forward slash dylan and now on to this week's brand new sponsor this one i am really excited about really happy to welcome them to the show and to introduce them to all of you listening to this today and that is document 360 the knowledge-based software that scales with your SaaS. So if you're not already building out a self-service knowledge base for your SaaS product, then I really recommend this is something that you take a look at. Not only will it help your customers have a better experience with your product, but a self-service knowledge base can also reduce your support requests by up to 50% as you'll be giving your users all the information that they need to solve their own problems. And I know this product and the team at Document360 extremely well because Hey Digital have supported them by running their paid advertising campaigns for well over a year now. So if you don't already have a knowledge base for your SaaS, do me a favor and head over to document360.io and claim your free 14-day trial today. Okay, sponsors are done. The intro is done. I know for a fact you're gonna love this interview with Frank. So let's roll this week's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show. So this week I am joined by Frank Barry, who is the COO at Tithely. And Tithely is the global leader in digital giving, church engagement and church management software. They serve over 20,000 churches in 50 plus countries. Frank, I'm super excited to have you here. Welcome to today's show. Yes, pumped to be here, man. It's going to be fun. 
Thank you. Yeah, it is. So I am very fascinated today to talk with you about a couple of things. How you've built a SaaS product in a, I guess, like traditional industry might be the way to put it. I'm not too sure. But like an industry that some of our listeners today would never have even considered or thought about building a SaaS product within your space. Right. So I want to yeah. talk about that. And then more importantly, our kind of core topic for today is how you've scaled the business by doing lots of different things that don't scale as the way that you shared it with me. And there's some fascinating things that we're going to talk about later on um, that are like some of the numbers you shared with me are crazy to me. So we'll, we'll keep that a little secret and we'll get to that in the next 10 minutes or so. Before, yeah, deal. Like before we do, give us a bit of an insight as to Tidely as a business. So I said in the intro, um, digital giving, church engagement, church management software used by over 20,000 churches. Maybe yep. give a top level overview as to what you guys are all about and where you're at as a business right now. Yeah, yeah. So we're about five years old and we got started. One of the co-founders was a pastor for a number of years and was leading a church and the Starbucks app came out and you could put your credit card in the Starbucks app and pay for a coffee. And he was like, you got to be able to give on a phone through an app. So that was a, the starting point seven years ago or so. And you know, about five years ago, we launched the company and there was four of us and we kind of got busy. And so we started with just a giving app, right? So we had an iOS giving app. We launched an Android version. We had a web version. But really what that was, what that did is if you're not familiar with kind of the world of church, most churches, you go on the weekend, you go on a Saturday or Sunday, and there's a lot of times going to be an offering moment or a moment during the service where you're asked to give and they'll pass a plate around or a bag or something, some object that you can put uh, cash or check in. So churches up until pre-COVID, like probably 75, 80% of all of the giving that would go to churches happened in the offering plate via cash and check. Giving on a phone is like life-changing, right? It's like this thing that just doesn't exist in the church. COVID notwithstanding, just because that changed a lot of behavior in a, forcibly, churches were still largely cash and check giving. And we launched a mobile giving, online giving uh, function for churches and just started going from there. So fast forward five years. And so we do giving, we've got a full suite of products that do digital giving, mobile giving, online giving, but we launched uh, a system to do church events. They do kids camps and summer camps and marriage retreats and big conferences and all that kind of stuff. We launched a church website platform, a custom app platform. So your church can have uh, your own custom app that's got all your content in it, your calendar, your giving, your events, all the things are in your one custom church app. Uh, and then a full CRM solution, which is, in our world is called church management, but it's it's basically like a CRM for churches to do things like plan your Sunday service or check kids in when they come to church or manage all your volunteers and your small groups and things like that. So yeah, now we offer a pretty complete suite of products, but fundamentally we're more of a payments company or a fintech company than a SaaS company. We're payments first, SaaS as like the second part of the business model. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's so interesting to me. I have so many questions as, as we go throughout this for you as well. So your role as COO, and I know uh, when we were talking before this, like you have been leading the charge with a lot of marketing efforts and, and everything else. So like, what does the marketing team and function look like at Tidely? And then up until now, when you first got started, where is most of the where is most of the like traffic coming from you guys? How are people finding out about you? I'd imagine a lot is probably like 
it, within your space and in your world, someone sees your product and it's like pretty recommendable, right? Like it's, it's changing the world within the space, as you mentioned. But yeah. I would love to find out in general from the top level, how you guys are acquiring like more churches and how people yep. know about you. Yeah, from the beginning, like day one. So I have a kind of a tech, software, faith-based church and then payments background. But in there, I spent um, about three years um, running digital marketing at a pretty big company. So when we started Tithely from the beginning, it was like, okay, we're going to go heavy on content. And so we would write for the blog, either myself or Dean, who's our CEO, we'd write once or twice a week. And pretty soon, probably within the first year, we started a newsletter. So we're once a week sending out the email newsletter with our content and any product updates and things like that. But super basic, but really just writing content about church giving. And we had eight people coming to the blog or some ridiculously small number of people. Um, but in my head, I'm like, content is the way that we're gonna do this. We're gonna write great content that serves our audience with the mindset that search is where people are gonna find it. So SEO was the thing from the beginning. And then we just, we've stayed true to that. So our first marketing hire was actually a, a kind of a web a UI, UX, graphic design kind of web developer, web designer, developer, like front end guy, but pretty. So prior to that actual hire, I was outsourcing content writing. So we wanted to, I, I didn't have time to write three times a week, but I wanted to publish three times a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I was outsourcing a couple of those to a writer in the church kind of space who knew our world. So we hire a kind of a web guy. And then the very next hire was Jesse, who was our kind of content strategist, content writer, who was the guy I was outsourcing to. So we brought him on full time. Jesse actually leads our marketing team now. And our marketing team has Jesse is the um, marketing manager. We've got a, a full time content guy that focuses on a lot of video and obviously writing. We publish three days a week still. We've done that for five years. We've got an events coordinator marketing coordinator position, we've got a social media person, and we've got a kind of digital ad person. So that makes up the team. And it's, again, we're really, we're an inbound marketing style company. So heavy focus on content, heavy focus on writing stuff that's good for our audience, eBooks and things like that, like downloadable assets. We've started doing more over the past year. So email capture and things like that. And then we do some kind of ad buys, Google, Bing, Captera, software advice, those kind of places. And yeah, just bring people to us. Yeah, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. It's always interesting to see how different like teams and organizations have things structured and what approaches they're taking for them. It's funny what you said also about the like, knowing that content was one, one kind of pillar piece to work on, even if at the beginning, very few people were watching or reading or, or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was sad, but... <laughs> When, when I started this podcast, I knew, like, I didn't mind if no one, if nobody listened, because I knew that the people I was speaking to were, were most important. And I knew that we were using it as a content piece. Luckily, yeah. because I have an okay number of people that watch my stuff on LinkedIn, we had maybe for the first, like, when we first launched, there were like 50, 60 people a day listening or something. And now, pretty good. yeah, it was, I was like, I was pretty happy with that. But like now we're 16, 17 episodes in and like, just because we kept going, even though it's just once a week as well, but now we're anywhere from three to 500 downloads a day at the moment, which is awesome. So I'm so excited Amazing. Like what happens as this continues to go on. And I think it just shows your point of like, when you trust the process and you know that something is going to, is going to work out, just sticking with it is really important. I think a lot of, whether it's SaaS companies, any kind of business, they, 
they worry about how many people are watching or listening or reading or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. It's a lonely place at the beginning when you're building. And we had the good fortune in a sense where we were writing content. We built a really easy product to get started with and use and it worked. It did what it needed to. So we had early traction in the form of seeing in, in month one, oh, there's 20 customers. And then month two, there's, and I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was still small, but or maybe it was more like there was four customers and then there was eight customers. And then, so you're seeing a, like signs of life and seeing some people sign up for the product using the product. So is because that's happening, so let's just keep focused on the content. And today I'd have to go, I could look it up real quick, but our blog gets a ton of traffic and it's the primary driver of traffic to Tithely by a long shot. And before we, I want to start talking about some of the tactical stuff, because there's some really cool things that you guys are doing. Before we get to that point, like ahead of the episode, I was doing some research, listening to some of your other podcasts, looking on Crunchbase and all those other kind of sites that give like company info. We don't need to share exact numbers, but for people listening to this, could you give them some kind of idea? Like is, is the funding numbers on Crunchbase, is that accurate? There was like said over $20 million raised, I think over various different rounds, or could you give some insights to where the business is at just for people listening? Cause I think they're probably going to be pretty, pretty impressed when they hear from, from you guys where you're at. I think it'd be useful yeah. for people know. Yeah, no, that number's right. I'm always amazed how these websites get that information. It's really fascinating. I've never spent any time trying to figure it out, but it's not like we don't pub like we didn't put a press release out. We so yeah, we've raised some money. Mostly early days, it was friends and family stuff, and and then we've got one great institutional investor at this point that has been awesome. So raised a little bit of money. Again, we're about five years old. We're actually we cracked twenty five thousand customers and grown pretty fast. I think we're growing one hundred and fifty percent or so year over year at this point. And we are doing about right. I think it's a little north of 3 million a month MRR growing fast, doing well, lots of customers having a good time. It's funny what you say about that. Cause I, I had a call yesterday with Clearbit, like the day yeah. so I was looking yeah. at their Clearbit ads product for a couple of our clients. And I literally three hours, three or four hours before the call, I'd posted a job post that we're like hiring for somebody to join our team. And he hadn't been on my LinkedIn. He hadn't looked at me or anything like that. Cause I even checked my like LinkedIn profile viewers, but he knew as soon as we started the call, he was like, Oh, and I know that Hey Digital are hiring right now. And my mind was blown. I was like, where have they been like, <laughs> within the last three hours or something? It's weird sometimes, but there we go. Yeah. So, they get it somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Let's get to some of the tactical stuff then. So before this call, you were telling me one of the things that you guys do that um, most people wouldn't do because it doesn't scale quote unquote, right? It's like contacting every single customer or every single new like client or new sign up. Now you said to me before the show, like at one point that would be maybe 20 to 50 people a day during the peak of COVID that was anywhere from 600 to 900 people a day for some period. Yeah. So tell us about that. You were really contacting 900 people a day at one point and like, where did this idea come from? How does it work? Let's, uh, let's go into that for a little bit. Cause people, when they hear that will think you're absolutely wild when they hear crazy. That. Yeah. We're, I think we're from the very beginning, we I'll just take a quick step back. So we built our platform in the modern kind of SaaS style way where you can come to a website, you can hit the sign up button, you can sign up on the website and you're in the product. So, 
like that model within like a payments technology company space is not a normal thing. It's not that's happening. It's happening more and more because payments technology is evolving and getting way better, but it's just not a super normal thing. Normally, you'd, if you wanted some kind of online giving as a church, you would go create a merchant account. You might talk to your bank. It might take you a week and you've got to avoid a check and your photo ID and you got to see them in person. And then you got to take that merchant account and plug it into something else, some other software and get that to work. And you're doing all this weird stuff. And people have come along the way and made it a little bit better. We made it to where you can sign up in five minutes and be live. You can put a giving button on your website or you can tell your church about the giving app and take donations like in five minutes. Because of that, though, it was so frictionless to get going. We knew we wanted to actually talk to these people that were signing up in early days. It's me and Dean, every everybody that signs up. We have our own little kind of internal CRM, right? It's so bad, but we would see every sign up name, email, phone number, church location, where they were, and, and we'd call them. And because we wanted to talk to our customers and we wanted them to have a great experience and we wanted them to know about all the things they just signed up for. It was in our interest as well to help them get started fast. We wanted them to, it was so easy to sign up. We wanted to make sure that they didn't sign up and then poke around and then never use the product because we're, we're interesting in some sense. I don't know what people would call it, but we're, you can free trial air quotes, like free trial. You get all the features in a sense of the giving platform, but you might come in and try it and then decide, ah, it doesn't do all the things I want. Or maybe you didn't find something you were looking for or whatever. We just wanted to make sure they had a great experience, knew about all the things and help them get launched as well as have a connection with the company and feel in our, in the church space relationship is really important. So we wanted to make sure people just had a good experience with Tidely. So that's just how it started. And then every time we hired a new salesperson, that's what they were trained to do. And so we went from zero, like one every three days or whatever at the beginning. And then in our pre COVID normal, we'd be signing up 700 or so a month. So I don't know, 35 a day or something like that. And yeah, during COVID, it literally went up to 900 a day for a few days in a row. And for probably 45 days, it was just insane. So as this was happening, we're watching. I remember it was like March, somewhere around March 15th. It was like that Wednesday. And we have our, we have our signups like by day, we got the graph and we're watching it and we're like, huh, that Wednesday looks a little elevated, not much, just interesting. But then Thursday it went up again and then Friday it went up again. And then Saturday jacked up and Saturdays are usually like a lower signup day. So it just kept going up. So that it just looks like this really crazy straight up spike at some point. And then it starts slowly coming down over the course of a number of months. So in all of that process, yeah, we were still trying to call everybody. We actually brought on a temp team of about eight, eight additional people. We had people in support helping out. We had people in our customer success team helping out. It was like all hands on deck to take care of all the new influx of people signing up for the product. Like we were doing everything we could to like, just not let the wheels fall off the bus because it was crazy. So did we get a hold of them all? I, I don't exactly know, but we really tried because we wanted to give them all the same experience. Uh, interesting because I, I'm also interested in this calling people, requesting phone number when they sign up and everything else, because purely for two reasons, like one is that I did, People listening to this, I don't know what the order of the episodes is going to be, 
But I just did an interview with a guy from the team at user.com and he was telling me about how they improve their their trial to paid conversion by from 15 to 35%. The biggest elements was essentially what you've just told me is they introduced making the phone number required in the signup flow and they called everybody. And it's funny because like within the stereotypical SaaS world, even like self-service or demo booking focused, people don't really do that often anymore. Right. Right? Those initial phone calls is either getting someone to schedule a demo call or it's, we don't touch them with a phone call. So I, yeah. I know you guys had that from the very beginning and you said that you explained the kind of reasons why and how that worked. Interested to know like how, um, not exact numbers, cause you probably, I don't know if you even have access to these, but like are, are a lot of people, or have you experimented with where you ask for that phone number? Cause I see on the sign up flow right now, for example, I click on sign up and I give my name, my email, password, you- phone numbers right there. User.com, the way that he did it is that they tried that first and then no one was, not no one, but very few people were signing up when the phone number was required. So then they did like a front facing page where it was like name, email, password, click on get my free account. And then on the next page, when you set up the account, one of the required things before you launch was phone number. Like, yep. Have you experimented with any of that like tactical stuff? I would love to, I would love to. A little bit. Look, you, yeah. So our sign up to become a customer would shock you. Try to finish it. You'll stop you won't finish like it's eight steps and it's probably not eight it's probably six steps we collect drivers a picture of your driver's license the last four of your social security number your physical address a legal representative name date of birth for your church we collect more information and your sign up like signing up for the first time to use our product we collect more information than anybody i've seen out there in the sat like in the kind of modern SaaS type of world but again, that's not because we're cool or better. That's because that's the stuff for, we're a payments company, right? We need things in order to make sure that you are a legit entity and that you're not doing something nefarious. And also we are collecting money for you and depositing it into your bank account. So we need to know a lot of information. We've done some iterations over five years on what that flow looks like and the cleanliness of it, the, the feel, the stepping through it, the adding a little kind of, here's the step you're on in the process, adding some social proof along the way that kind of backs up the step that you're on. So we've definitely done uh, testing and optimization along the way on our kind of signup funnel. And we've done probably two major sweeps where there was pretty big sweeping changes made to it, but it still has all that data. If we've done anything, we've actually added more stuff to it over the years, which is counterintuitive. I don't know why it works. I I wish I had some secret to tell everybody. It's just in our world, people are willing to do it. And when they're done, they're signed up for Tithely. Like they can take a gift and we will deposit into your bank account, but we have to collect that information. We We currently are in we're doing some kind of back-end work that's going to let us do some things where we will test the concept of create your account with like name and email and then you're into the product and you can probably see all the things kick the tires but before you can actually before we will send money to your bank account you've got to finish the stuff because we we have to this is just required for us right so we'll probably we haven't done it yet but we will at some point play with the idea of requesting less information to start and more information after you're in the product but it that's a big test because 
we have 700 people a month that give us all that information. That's, those are 700 that give us everything. It's more like 2000 that like fall out in the process somewhere that we then follow up with in automated ways. Because I, we being a PBC and paid ads agency for SaaS companies, it's so much of what we do is focused on um, ads aside is like what the flow looks like and how it works. Right. And we see such varying results based on so many different things. Like it makes total sense as to why you guys do that because you need that information. But right. one challenge is like figuring out even some of our clients, if they're having issues with sign up flows, everyone is so scared to ask for more. And there's this constant debate of like, quality versus quantity and what's really important and what isn't. So it's interesting yeah. to know that you guys have things and how it's working out. What are a couple of the other things you said that there's also some other really interesting things that you guys are doing that aren't necessarily seen as like scalable, but that have really supported the business. So I would love to hear some of those. Yeah. I mentioned the easy sign up and all that. I think that's important. I think another thing we do that's a little bit, you know, odd maybe is when you sign up for like our CRM product, which is, it's more like it's the database stuff for churches. Anybody who's worked in the CRM kind of world, people usually have some kind of data somewhere. And so they're going into a CRM and they got to get all that data into the CRM for it to be useful. And a lot of times they're switching from something else in, into the new one and they got to move it over and right. It's just a, it's a painful situation to go through. So we actually say, if you go to our church management product page on our website, we say, we'll move you in for free. So like when you sign up, we don't charge you to come on. Like you, you say, here's my data and we're going to get it all in for you. So we have a team behind the scenes that on our customer success side of the house that works with you, gets the, gets your data, helps you clean it, sorts it out so that it's in the right format, gets it in the system, make sure it's functioning for all your stuff. So it's a pretty non-scalable thing to do in some ways, but you can also find ways to make it work and all that. But I think that that's been really good for us and good for our customers. Like it's a, it helps our church customers feel like, oh, I can make a move and I'm gonna be helped. I'm not just buying a piece of software and left on my own to figure it out. And I don't have to pay 30 grand for an onboarding six, six session. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we do some kind of custom training if people really want something tailored to them where we show up on site, you can pay for that. But even that we keep very inexpensive. So I think, I guess we're just, we're all about getting people in the software, doing our best to make sure they have a great experience with Tithely and getting them using the tools and finding value. And so it's worth it for us to spend the money on headcount and people and things like that. So that happens because they're gonna stick around for a long time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's on a retention point. It becomes really important because it's like in a more, let's say, quote unquote, traditional SaaS business, right? Like where I used to work before setting up the agency, a company called Leadfeeder. It's, we knew, for example, okay, if one of our trial users integrates with this specific software integration that we have, we know that they're going to stick around for longer. So we know right. that we do everything we can to help support them throughout that integration process. And then you have a customer for a longer time. They have a better experience. Everyone like everyone wins. And I think sometimes for some reason, a lot of marketers at SaaS companies sometimes shy away from having to put in a little bit of extra upfront effort, but yeah. actually should look at those. What are those activities that can help someone remain a customer for a longer period of time? Cause that's ultimately what we want, right? Is those customers yeah. 
stick around, but then also advocate for the brand. And I think I would imagine that's probably something that you guys have nailed pretty. Yeah, do a, do a search for Tidely Reviews and you'll see Captera and Trustpilot are basically all five stars. I would love to. It's like four and change. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I would love to encourage anyone that's like listening to this or watching, if they're watching this on YouTube right now, to go and check out the Tidely site as well, because I think you guys have done a, like some of the things you're talking about with the sign up flow and then lots of other bits and pieces that you have on here and are testing out, I think would be very interesting to other people as to like your, you guys' approach to this. I think it's, it's a really nice experience. Like there's so many little tactical things I see you guys have implemented that I would love to talk about too, but I think that's maybe for, for another time. <laughs> The social proof that you have, I guess it's like using proof, like that's coming up a lot, but it seems to be in a nice mannered way. I find sometimes when people use those social proof tools like proof, they overstep the boundaries sometimes and it's, you see something all the time and it doesn't feel natural. Whereas the way that you guys have it, I'm on the site now and it looks good. I like the sign up flow. It looks really smooth. So I think people should check out the site, even if they're, even if they're not necessarily interested in the product, don't sign up because I don't want to give you any like bad data, but like check it out. <laughs> all of a sudden we have a... 2000 sign up day because of the, the podcast here. And we're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Yeah, I think you picked up on something. I actually would love to hear somebody else tell me about our website, like just things they find interesting because I, I like that kind of feedback. But you picked up on something that's always been really important to us, which is social proof, right? Like we love the guys at Proof. Those guys are awesome. We love their product. But beyond that, like getting online reviews and having them on our website and really showing what people say, like we've got a 50 plus MPS, which is a killer MPS for a SaaS company, a payments company. And we're polling our customers for MPS all the time. So like reviews and feedback from customers is super important. And it's just part of our, it's even part of like why we call everyone. Cause we want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. Why do we have customer success? Cause we want to help you. Why do we have We'll move you in for free because we want you to be successful. We hope that people get that experience and we do our best to make sure it always happens. We're not perfect. We obviously mess up and people have a bad experience or whatever, but we really try hard to make sure people love working with Tithely. And I think it shows like in our reviews and our social proof and those kind of things. Yeah, not so much. And it's funny how people don't think about that sometimes when they're building out businesses. It's something that Drift to do extremely well, for example, or any of these other big players who are carving their own kind of category or their own niches. They build an audience that like cares about them and loves their product. And that is so powerful in itself from yeah. marketing that you do, but also everything else. Like it's so clear when you speak to someone and like really servicing their customers and serving them, it's so clear in everything else that they do. And I think it makes a huge, even like from a, with my advertising hat on, like when we're advertising for a product that has happier, like has really happy customers, has great social proof, has good branding and positioning within the market. Like it makes the results come through so much. Right. So I had Bill King from Drift. He looks after their acquisition, like their paid yeah, yeah. Yeah, And he told me that his job is so he feels like his job is so much easier because of the brand that they've built. So like when right. he's running ads, it just becomes easier to get like his conversion rates are better than anywhere else. His click-through rates are better than anywhere else. And it's because of all the other work that goes in from a brand perspective, but then everything that you guys are doing internally, speaking with all those customers, like I, I never, if I sign up for a tool or a software, I can't remember the last time someone, like I don't think anyone's ever called me maybe once. And I'm like, okay, if you're calling 600 people a day, at one point or 900 at one point, I know they wouldn't have all answered, but imagine the volume of conversations that you're having. And then the amount of times those people would then tell someone that they know within the same space in the same world, right. a great experience that, you, that they had. 
And that's yep. a referral program like there in itself, right? It's so much word of mouth just from that. We're like, we're terrible at understanding or, or knowing what that number, but we all that 50% of our signups are probably from referrals. Sometimes you can't track those things, but that's okay. Like we know yeah. we, we have a rough idea, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're bad at a lot of things. So there's lots that we can still improve on and get better. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, we're super pumped for where we're at and feel like there's lots that we can still get better at in this world. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this day. I think like people listening to this, I know for a fact, they're going to take some inspiration from maybe just stepping back sometimes from the, from the really, I don't want to say, I don't know if data driven is the right word, but sometimes as marketers or like growth people within SaaS companies, we can get so obsessed with these like numbers that sometimes don't actually mean that much. And I think it's clear when you just step back for a minute and think about, okay, like who are we, who are we servicing and serving and working with and what can we do to make them have a better experience that can then have such a huge uplift on everything else that you're doing. And I, I would love to like my kind of piece of advice from this for everyone listening would be to think about that for a minute and just think about yeah. what else you can do to, to help and support. So yeah. Frank, thank you so much. This has been like really awesome and really useful. People know where to go if they want to find out a bit more about you guys. I think we've made that pretty clear but yeah i want to yep. say thank you for coming on this has been a ton of fun i really appreciate it yeah appreciate it super fun man thank you for having me